On Tuesday, the College Football Playoff Committee released their first edition of the College Football Playoff Rankings. I think most Oklahoma fans were pleasantly surprised to see the Sooners ranked fifth, ahead of Ohio State and fellow Big 12 members TCU, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. On one hand, it virtually assures that the Sooners do control their own destiny, win out, and they're likely 99.99% a lock to be in the playoff field. However, how many honest Oklahoma fans really think that this version of the Sooners resembles a top-five team? They certainly did on September 9th against Ohio State, but since then? Look, this is only directed at one side of the ball. The 2017 OU offense is the best in college football in the last decade, arguably. They are inarguably the best passing team in the country, led by the best player and quarterback in college football, and they arguably have the best running game in the country. Yeah, seriously, they're that good. I have no qualms with the Sooner offense, none. The same cannot be said about Mike Stoops' beleaguered defense. Listen, I'm not going to get into coaching politics or X's and O's for this particular take. I'm solely going to judge the product that has been on the field. With that being said, let's be intellectually honest. It is November. Oklahoma's defense has played in eight games. That's enough time and game action to know that this is exactly who they are. This defense is bad. The worst, most inconsistent defense I've seen from an Oklahoma team in my lifetime, period. This should be the prevailing wisdom going forward. Oklahoma is a historically good offensive football team with maybe a a historically bad defense, by program standards, of course. The question is, will this historically good offense be able to overcome this historically bad defense? Well, conveniently, Bedlam's going to answer that question for us this weekend. Buckle up. This game has the chance to be really strange. You might as well have fun and embrace it. It's November. It's college football. And OU controls their own destiny. Let's get weird. I'm Grant Benson, and this is West of Everest. They go for two. Zach, and it's read perfectly by Beal. Picked up. It's a live ball now. They can go for two the other way. They are not going to stop big Frank Alexander. He's going to rumble in for the deuce. Nine years ago, Bedlam in Stillwater. The third-ranked Sooners down at number 12 Oklahoma State, 61-41 to in primetime. Hello, everyone. I'm Lee Benson. Thanks for tuning in to the first edition of Bedlam West of Everest. The play you just heard in the intro, Frank Alexander scooping up a Zach Robinson fumble during a two-point conversion attempt and then going 90 yards for two points the other way. That was one of a few surprising plays in that game, and I'll I'll bring back Grant now to talk about that 2008 Bedlam game. Grant, I'm sure you remember that Frank Alexander fumble return. What are some other plays from that 2008 game that really stand out to you? Lee, former Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, Frank Alexander. I'm sure a lot of people forget that. 2011, he was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, yeah, I obviously, of course, that from that 2008 Bedlam game, the, the two plays that stand out the most are that uh, tipped pass to Gresham where he scored the touchdown, where it tipped off, I think, of a Glacius and tipped straight back to him, and he, he ran like 70 yards for a touchdown. And, of course, the, the Sam Bradford Heisman moment where he, where he flips near the goal line. 
what a crazy game that was. I if it, it it's been a long time since I've since I've kind of rewatched it. If I remember it correctly, it was it was a game where the Sooners badly outplayed Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State made kind of a bunch of weird, crazy plays to stay in it. Or maybe that was 2010. I can't really remember. It all kind of goes together sometimes. Yeah, I don't remember particularly how the games went. But, yeah, those are the two plays that I was thinking of as well. I guess that's two pretty easy plays to remember now that I think about it. Uh, One thing that stood out to me, just kind of going back and watching that game a little bit, and this isn't that surprising, but, like, I honestly don't remember a whole lot of of Des Bryant at Oklahoma State just because that was back when I was really watching mostly Oklahoma football and, like, that's about it in college football. So it was just kind of cool seeing Des Bryant in college. And he's just, I mean, he's he's kind of lost a step in the NFL. But I, I don't know if he, if it's more of, like, the offense the Cowboys are playing now or what. But, like, he is, like, one of the best receivers, like, ever in, like, college. Like, the guy's awesome. So that's just, like, a, a nugget taken away from that game that I, that I um, noticed watching it back. He actually scored a touchdown on that play where Frank Alexander took it back. That, that was Des Bryant's touchdown. So, um, anyways... Um, do you know why I chose that play for the intro today, Grant? I mean, the Frank I ass- Alexander fumble return. I assumed it was some sort of, I don't know, you just saying, hey, hey, this is kind of a something that everyone forgets about this game, but it's kind of a cool. I, I just figured it was you trying to be clever. No, that's not it at all. Uh, none of that. That's a terrible guess. Uh, the re- the reason I picked it, man, that was bad. I figured you'd, you'd get this one. Why would I get this? I'm sure it's just some weird thing that you came up with in your head, but continue. Right, well, first of all, the game was in Stillwater back in 2008, which the game this weekend is in Stillwater. So that's oh, a wow, man. It's quite quite the stretch. <laughs> okay. That was, a, that was a year when both teams were very highly ranked, and Oklahoma had a lot on the line, and Oklahoma needed to win that game to continue to be in the playoff. Well, at that time, it was the national championship race the bcs race and it was a defensive play which going into this game on saturday not surprising at all the best defense of the two teams is going to probably determine whoever wins bedlam so i wanted to pick out a good oklahoma defensive play was that the only good defensive play they had in that game probably not it's just i remembered it i scored that was the only time they scored defensively in that game Okay, okay, yeah. I, I think I remember an early Dominique Franks interception in that game. That was a long oh, time yeah? ago. That was nine wow. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. Mm-hmm. All right, enough about old Bedlam games. Let's talk about the task at hand. An early November college football playoff elimination game coming up this Saturday at Boone Pickens Stadium. Of course, the first playoff rankings were released on Tuesday. Grant and I will discuss those rankings and also provide our top 10 later in the show. But the most important thing right now is Saturday. And Grant and I are ready to break this matchup down. And quick sidebar, I'm hoping we get a lot of Oklahoma State supporters listening on this podcast. So for you OSU people that are listening in, this is not going to just be all about Oklahoma. We're going to talk a lot about Oklahoma State as well. So this is going to be interesting to both sides of the coin, in my own opinion. So first off, Grant, we're going to talk about the Oklahoma defense against the Oklahoma State offense. And as far as I'm concerned, man, this is going to determine the game. Uh, So that's why I want to start with it, because the Oklahoma State offense is really good, is really good. And the Oklahoma defense, as I believe you described it last week, Grant, is at best inconsistent. Is that about right? At, yeah, I, I, that'd be a way of describing it. At best, they're inconsistent, yes. I think that's maybe the nicest thing you can say about the defense. So I've decided on four separate questions, maybe five, 
for each topic because later in the show we'll talk about the Oklahoma offense against the Oklahoma State defense. But first off, OU defense, Oklahoma State offense. The first thing I have for you, Grant, tell me what scares you the most about this Cowboys offense. Two things, Lee. Number one, big plays over the top of the secondary. Uh, and obviously that's been a huge weakness this season, uh, this season for the Sooners, and it is perhaps the strength, the, the number one strength of the Oklahoma State offense. Uh, you know me, I really like my, my in-depth analytical statistics, Lee. I, use, I, I like to use Bill Connolly's S&P. Oklahoma State, Lee, is the 14th best team in the country based off of those analytics and creating explosive plays in the passing game. Lee, Give me a guess at what you think OU is in preventing big plays in the passing game this year. Just a ranking. Give me a guess. Well, let's see. There's about 125-ish teams in Division One football now, something like that. Oklahoma's definitely in the 100 somewhere. Like uh, they're yes. not going to be. Yes. They're not going to be like better than 100. Um, how about like 112? Hey, you're pretty close. They're 121st. Oh my god! Out of a hundred and thirty teams, and hundred and thirty teams now. Wow. Yep, and they are one hundred and twenty-first out of one hundred and thirty in preventing big plays in the passing game. Uh, you don't need to be a genius to see that this is quite the red flag for the Oklahoma defense on Saturday. And I, it, oh my god, that's it is, that's yeah, awful. It is it is something that I can I can assure you that the Oklahoma State offensive staff is going to try to take advantage of. Uh, Will. I'm sure you know you. You actually watched a lot more of Oklahoma State. Uh, you're you're a little more sophisticated with with the tape. We'll get more into that um, there. But I, I just wanted to point that out statistically. That's something that that is most likely going to be a problem on Saturday. The second thing I wanted to mention too, Lee, um, is is maybe just kind of a, a replaying of what we saw in the first half against Texas Tech, and that is being spread out and and outnumbered in the running game. Uh, basically, being out schemed in the running game. Uh, in terms of numbers, getting a hat on a hat, stuff like that, uh, th- that generally seems like that's the only time this season they've really uh, struggled to stop the run is when they're out schemed in it. Um, I-, I-, I am concerned that they'll see something on tape and they'll th- they'll try to keep the ball on the ground. You know what? I'll touch on that real quick before I talk about what scares me the most. Oklahoma State will most certainly see something on film because the Cowboys run the football, it's like Texas Tech. The Cowboys are, are thought of as a team that just throws the ball around the field, and that's all they do is throw it. And the Big 12 is all about the air raid, and all, they, all the Big 12 does is pass. Well, you know what? Oklahoma State ran the football more than 50 times against Texas. I didn't get the numbers last week against West Virginia, but Oklahoma State ran the football a lot against West Virginia as well. The Cowboys love to run the ball. Mike Gundy loves to run the, the football. And Mason Rudolph is not afraid to check out of a third down pass play into a running play whenever he sees that he has a numbers advantage on his side of the football which book it you're going to see it a lot of the time you're going to see Mason Rudolph at the line of scrimmage on Saturday checking off looking at the Oklahoma defense and saying hmm I have about seven blockers to my advantage right now on my side of the football and I see about five or six Oklahoma guys in the box I'm going to run the ball with Justice Hill and it's going to be successful probably and that's what Oklahoma State likes to do so I think it's very fair that you're scared about that uh, about Oklahoma State trying to line up and run the ball a lot basically it's it's kind of exactly I'm assuming Mike Stoops's justification last week for the for the scheme to open the game was you know he he was scared of getting burned in the passing game he didn't want Texas Tech to throw it all over the yard so you know that's that's when we saw the weird three three five or the two four five look 
um, with only two defensive linemen on the field. And Texas Tech just said, are you actually just kind of daring us to run it? Which we thought, which, which you know, I was scared of because we had said on this podcast that Texas Tech was a better running team than they were passing team. Um, so when I saw that, I, I was scared. And I'll be honest with you, I'm scared of it happening again because uh, why wouldn't I be? I, I think they've given us every reason to be to be worried about it. Well, here's what I'm scared of mostly about the Oklahoma State offense. Just the fact that the Cowboys have so many ways that they can beat you offensively. Obviously, James Washington is just a freaky guy. He's already over 1,000 yards receiving this year. He averages 22 yards a catch. I mean, that's that's insane. I mean, there's a chance that he could go for 200 yards against the Sooners. He's already done it once this year, maybe even twice. If I, I could be wrong. I know he's done it at least once this year. He's gone over 200 yards. You know, add in Marcel Aitman. He's already over 650 yards receiving. And Grant, I was looking it up. I don't think any of the Sooners are even at 600 yards receiving yet. Um, I think Mark Andrews is actually. I take that back. Mark Andrews is, I think, over 600. Then you have Jalen McCleskey. Dylan Stoner can also play well at the wide receivers. That's just that's just that group of guys. Then obviously you have Justice Hill and J.D. King, who are good running backs. King stepped in for Justice Hill for a lot of the game last week against West Virginia when Hill was banged up early on in the game, and J.D. King is looked just fine. I mean, he fumbled once or twice or once, but uh, at least one time. But he's a good running back. And so you have, that, you have the wide receiver group, the running back group, and then, of course, you have the guy that holds it all together and Mason Rudolph, who leads the nation in passing. Even though Ohio State is technically ranked ahead of Oklahoma State in offense this year, I don't think the Sooners have faced an offense with this many weapons and this many ways to beat you. So think about it this way, Grant. This is what scares me. Oklahoma knew Kansas State was going to run the ball all the time, and the Sooners couldn't stop it. OU should have known that Tech was going to run the ball a bunch, and it took OU a full quarter and three touchdowns later to figure things out. Oklahoma State's going to run it a bunch and also pass it a bunch. So next to Oklahoma, this is the scariest offense in college football. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 probably um, you know alongside with with Penn State probably the offense that's gonna you know hurt you the most maybe down the field through the air. Um, I mean, yeah, it's I, it's it's certainly concerning based off of what we've seen this year. I, I don't think there's any any other way to get around that. Um, you have Mason Rudolph who who arguably is is the second best quarterback in the country. They do have the best receiver in the country on their team. Uh, it's Oklahoma State. You know, you know what you're going to get with them. They have they have skill guys all over the place. Um, you know, they want to run the ball. You know, they want to throw it deep on you. Uh, you know, the exact thing that OU has not been able to stop this year. Uh, you know, so so we'll see. Yep. I, I guess I we're we're going into this thing and we're we're just kind of hoping that they'll play well. I think because I <laughs> yeah. guess uh, because you know what they they have. I, I think it's you can make the argument that the three best offenses they've played this year. Or maybe I'll just cut it down to the two best offenses they've played, or, or maybe uh, the two best defensive games they've played, or at least the the last three quarters of the Texas Tech game. Uh, Ohio State being the other team, um, and also I I think they played a really good game against Texas. I think people forget about that. Too. They they played very very well against Texas. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, as a, the, the next question uh, I, I want to ask in regards to the OU defense and the Oklahoma State offense that matchup. Is Grant, does Oklahoma have any advantage anywhere positionally when the these two units are on the field? Yes, they do. Uh, they have one for sure one and then and then one maybe uh, kind of a kind of a bigger picture thing. Uh, Oboe against their left tackle is a distinct 
advantage that the Sooners have in this game. It, I mean, it's very, and I, it, it's an obvious advantage. I, I think this is actually something that's probably going to keep Oklahoma State, the Oklahoma State coaching staff, up at night this week, uh, because their worst nightmare in this game is Oboe lined up one on one against this guy. That that is a a very very big advantage. Aaron that Cochran, the you're speaking Aaron, of. yes, Aaron Cochran. He's um, the Cal grad transfer that uh, has been playing left tackle this year for Oklahoma State, and yeah, he he's uh, he's a big man, a little slow. Yeah, a little slow. Yep. And so it, you know, and and I I know there's been a lot of talk about Oklahoma State's offensive line. Um, it's 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 not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it's certainly not going to be the best one they've seen this year. Um, you're you're probably looking at a line that's very similar, I think, in in what Texas trotted out there. It may be a little better. Uh, just just to throw out the stats again, one thing I like to say, I, I said maybe a bigger thing. The the, uh, the other thing I was referring to was just the the Oklahoma defensive line in general. Uh, OU's defensive line has has quietly uh, turned into a strength for the team. Um, I do just want to throw some numbers out there. The, the OU defensive line is 26th in the country um, in producing havoc plays, and they've been climbing up that list really fast the last three weeks. So they were back in the 70s a few weeks ago, and now they're 26th and defensive line havoc plays. Um, Oklahoma State's offensive line, they are 40th in the country in sack rate, which is, you know, in the top half of the country, but, you know, obviously not, you're not good if you're 40th. And then they are 70th in stuff rate. So they are in the, which means that um, they, uh, they're in the bottom half of college football in getting runs stuffed at the line of scrimmage. So, so there's that, um, Oklahoma, like I said, is, is very quietly developing a strength at defensive line when they actually put defensive linemen on the field, Lee. Yeah, and I, and I want to just kind of echo the, the, the one strength that you brought up, Oboe, certainly is an advantage over, over either one of the, the tackles that the Cowboys have. And the other one is Zach Crabtree because they, I mean, Oklahoma likes to move Oboe around the field. So you could see him moving from side to side, and he certainly is an advantage. But it's one of those things where, yeah, he'll want to rush the passer, but then does Oklahoma State just hand the ball off to Justice Hill right in that vacated hole as Oboe goes up the field and leaves that open? So, I mean, that's going to be something that will keep Mike Stoops up at night potentially yeah. because Oklahoma State can adjust to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, though, Grant, I I don't see really any other distinct advantages. I think nah. mostly Oklahoma State has them, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust Oklahoma's secondary right now, and that even includes Parnell Motley. So normally yeah, I'd say Parnell Motley is, is an advantage on the, on the edge. I, I don't trust him or Jordan Thomas right now, and I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about that. Yeah, I, I actually have here in my notes, Lee, under, under this question, I said, it says, three weeks ago I would have said they had an advantage with Parnell Motley um, just because he, he really hasn't been playing that well lately. Um, and I, I would have said that at that time he was playing at such a high level, I would have said they have the advantage of Parnell Motley being able, uh, being able to, to take away whichever receiver they feel like they want to take away. And that's I, I don't think that's the case anymore. He he was playing at that level, and it doesn't seem like he is now. Uh, potentially, I guess he he could decide to play that well on, on he's Saturday. He's got the talent. Yeah, he's he does. shown that he has the ability to play mm-hmm. good man coverage and also good zone coverage. He just he's a ball hawk. He understands what the other team is trying to do for the most part. But yeah, I mean there was a, a you know a couple plays against Texas Tech. Uh, even against Kansas State, which is kind of a weird one because he was assuming Kansas State would run a lot, and it's tough. I mean, even though he should have been should have been there for a couple of those pass plays against the Wildcats. So, yeah, he's his confidence probably has taken a little bit of a hit the past couple of weeks, but I'm hoping that maybe the Parnell Motley from early in the year shows up on Saturday. Yeah, I, hey, there's, there's something about this team playing on the road that 
seems to bring out the best in them. Unless, you know, you're playing in Manhattan. Uh, but yeah, still, yeah. So the next question, as we continue to talk about the Oklahoma defense matching up against the Oklahoma State offense in Bedlam this Saturday, Grant, what do you think OU's game plan should be defensively? I mean, we saw the Sooners come out against Texas Tech, and, and it seemed like that was the wrong game plan, and Oklahoma adjusted as the game went on and played better. So what should Oklahoma come out now with, uh, with against Oklahoma State? That would be the correct game plan. I, I really hope that they come out um, with – with the idea that they want to stop the run first and foremost. I, I think that should be the number one game, pa- uh, game plan at first because that's how Oklahoma State kills you with the big plays. Not with the run game, but they, but they do it with the play action based off of the run game. Um, so I, I, I really hope they come out um, in that 4-3 look that we saw in the last three quarters of Texas Tech, and that's just kind of their base defense, I hope, for this game um, just because they, they do stop the run very well uh, out, of that, uh, out of that formation. Lee, the, the Sooners this year in, uh, in S&P, they are 33rd in the country stopping the run. So they're not bad, not great, but they're pretty good stopping the run this year. Um, and that's okay. So, you know, we're, it, I, I'm just really concerned about Justice Hill, you know, maybe not getting huge chunk yardage, but picking up, you know, five, six yards of carry just enough uh, so the linebackers have to come up. We know Kenneth Murray likes to bite on that play fake really hard. Uh, and that's how they burn you deep downfield is, you know, they have one run for three yards, another for five. This one just went for four. Um, and then boom, there's a play action to James Washington over the middle. And it just takes that one second of hesitation to get him over the top and get him past you. Um, that, that's just really, really what I'm, what I'm concerned about. So I, I, I hope they come out and, and just put a lot of emphasis on stopping the run. Uh, and also just blitzing linebackers, being, being aggressive with your Dean linemen, stunts and stuff like that, just to create negative plays on early downs. And this is something that I've been clamoring for for a long time. This is something that Mike Stoops used to do all of the time back in his heyday. Uh, I, 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 I just, I really wish that he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't stray too far away from that, from that thinking just because, I realize that that the spread makes you do a lot of different things and get in your head, but I still think your principles should still be the same. I still think you want to be aggressive. You're just going to have to do it in different ways. So I, I really think it's important for the Sooners to get Oklahoma State behind the chains in this game, so you can uh, so you can unleash Oboe on third and long, uh, maybe move him around a little bit, try to get him matched up one on one in any way possible. Because I, I really do think if that's the case, if they can isolate Oboe one-on-one on any sort of offensive lineman, he's most likely going to get to Rudolph. So here's the part of the podcast where I will use the film to answer one of our questions. And the question is, at this point, what should Oklahoma do defensively against Oklahoma State? So I thought, what makes sense in this one? All right, go back and look at the film of the Texas game. Texas held Oklahoma State to only 13 points, right? And also, let's look back at a little bit of the TCU game. Although TCU didn't hold Oklahoma State to 13 points, TCU obviously won the football game, so the Horned Frogs must have done something successful in that one. So Texas was really the only team that has slowed Oklahoma State down this year. And even in that game, Oklahoma State moved the football pretty well. It still gained 428 total yards in that football game against Texas. Now, TCU allowed nearly 500 yards to Oklahoma State, and that was with the Cowboys having the football in that game for like 21 minutes. So Oklahoma State barely had the ball and still almost accumulated 500 yards of total offense. So what did Texas do to limit Oklahoma State to just 13 points? The answer to that, though, Grant, is 
nothing special. I watched that game, and the Longhorns rarely blitzed and relied on a three-man front most of the time to get pressure on Mason Rudolph. Texas didn't always get to Rudolph because Oklahoma State runs a lot of those quick-timing RPOs that allow Rudolph to get the ball out fast, but when he held it and the zone defense from Texas was disciplined, the Horns got to him and sacked him a couple of times. Texas was Texas was also really good against the run in that game, holding Oklahoma State to less than three yards per carry. So this kind of goes back to what you were saying about Oklahoma coming out and trying to stop the run right away and taking it away. The Pokes ran it. I said this earlier. The Pokes ran the ball more than 50 times in that game and averaged less than three yards per carry. So Texas slowed down the run, and that seemed to work for the Longhorns. So the question is, what works well against Oklahoma State? Well, Texas was simple. They kept everything in front. Two deep safeties a lot of the time prevented all but one big play, and that was a big play in the fourth quarter where the DB fell down. So if the DB didn't fall down, it probably wouldn't even a big play. OU could try to do that, Grant. They could try to to do similar to what Texas did, but the problem is, is I don't think Oklahoma can cover like Texas covers. So the game plan that Texas utilized against Oklahoma State was pretty similar to the game plan that OU used against Texas Tech at the beginning of the game last week. And we all know that didn't work very well. I, I don't know if I, I agree with that. I go back and watch the first quarter. That the, the the formation they trotted out there on defense in the first quarter, that's like that's something I've never seen before. They had one defensive tackle on the field. I mean it was it was No, it was a, it was essentially a, a three four. It was they just, they're, I, they're using Oboe I, as a defensive I, end, which I, I, Oboe I, is a basically yes. a defensive end. I, I understand that. Oboe is a defensive that. end. I mean, I, that's what it was. I, I understand that. It, it certainly resembled more of a two-four-five in in actual practice when you looked at it, just because it was. Uh, well, no, because Oboe never dropped. He was always rushing. He was a he was yeah, a rush I, defensive I, end. Yes, I I understand. I, I understand the. I, I'm just saying. They're, they if had it was a two-four-five. That means they would have rushed just two players, and Oboe would have been dropping I, back into coverage. Well, I mean that's not necessary. I mean you can you can blitz well, yeah. the linebacker, but uh, I'm just saying they they had no beef on the field, is what I'm saying. They there was absolutely no possible way they could have stopped the run against anybody in that formation. It was it was a silly formation. It, it should have been scrapped when they <laughs> when they thought of it. It's something they had never even done before. I thought it was silly to come out there in a formation they have never even been in. And it was a dumb formation to begin with. It's just it was, it was dumb. I hope. I, well, all I, it was I, is they yeah. were challenging Oboe to be a defensive end, and he basically he's listed as a linebacker slash defensive end. That's all it was, and they were, and he it didn't work. It just I mean, my my, my whole point is it's predicated on Oboe being Oboe's not a defensive end. So let's like let's let's let's. Let's stop pretending that he is. He just isn't. I, I understand that he very rarely drops into coverage and he's always rushing. Then fine. He's he's Sean Merriman. Sean Merriman wasn't a defensive end. All right. I mean that that's kind of that's a ultimate sidebar. I mean that's basically what it was though. I mean Oklahoma was playing a three-four soft cover like an, an umbrella zone. That's how Mike Stoops described it, which is basically what Iowa State does. Yeah, and it was and let's and let's be intellectually honest about it. It was it was garbage. It was a really really bad game plan. A really <laughs> well, it's because Oklahoma game doesn't plan. know how to play that. They don't know how to play that. They're not disciplined enough to, to no, understand I'm how sa- to do they, it, and they're not was, good enough up front to stop no, the run with I, only there three was, guys. There was no possible way to stop it. It was impossible. Oh no, no. They, they, if, if Oklahoma had more experienced linebackers that knew how to fill, and the defensive linemen knew how to get off blocks better, that oh, that would have successful. Iowa I, State does it every game now. I, I paused it every time. Texas were, did it. The Sooners were Oklahoma out. State. The Sooners were outnumbered everywhere. There were more blockers than there were defenders. 
that that was that's not the case when Iowa State plays. So I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it. But the, okay. te- Texas Tech had more blockers than OU had defenders there. Period. That's why they that's why they ran for six yards per carry. Well, they ran for six yards per carry because there was only three down linemen, basically, and the linebackers were playing so soft in their cushions and they were spread out. So therefore, there was always going to be openings unless the linebackers came up and filled every single play, which they couldn't always do that because they were going to be they were concerned about play action and And, RPOs and because Texas Tech could throw the football. Yeah. And the game plan was predicated on, I, I guess, thinking that Texas Tech wasn't much of a threat to run the ball, which yeah, and that's like, like we is, mentioned here was, was it poor, that's, that's because, poor which planning, was, yeah. which was itty just so dumb. So, okay. I think we're, we're getting, <laughs> we're getting off, uh, off course. I, I, I guess it just, it, it, it's a very good way of illustrating kind of how we feel about the defense. It's, I, I, I obviously, I mean, my, I, I'm being very transparent. I, I don't think the defense is schemed well, obviously. No, it, it's, 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 Okay, we'll leave it at that. And here, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Back to back to OU against Oklahoma State. The other option for Oklahoma State to defend uh, for Oklahoma to defend Oklahoma State is an aggressive approach. And West Virginia, this was interesting. I found last week the Mountaineers had success a few times playing a press two man against the Pokes, and it only seemed like West Virginia did that in third and long situations. And from what I saw, it worked every time. That's my favorite. So kind of, that's 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 my favorite coverage. Press two man, and uh, I mean corners like it, safeties like it because it it the it's designed to allow a quarterback to think they've got something, but then they don't, and that's why press cover two is good. But you have to have good corners, and Oklahoma has good corners sometimes. So it makes you wonder though too that why West Virginia did not do that more. So I mean the downside of that though is when you play a lot of man, you you blitz more. I mean Rudolph can potentially throw it around to his wide receivers and you give it more big plays. But you know what I think. Oklahoma needs to come out and be aggressive and get after Mason Rudolph. I just they have to do it. They have to dictate the game and they they can't sit yeah. back on their heels and let everything come to them. It's it's not it's not what a good defense does. Abs- and, absolutely. And I, just, yeah. I, I really hope Oklahoma to, to to put an end to this one. I hope that Oklahoma watched a lot of film this week, Grant, because a lot of tempo from Oklahoma State. And they do a lot of the same things. They, they run a lot of the same RPOs with the same routes. James Washington runs a slant route off an RPO. Marcel Aitman, an out route. I mean, OU, if Oklahoma watched a lot of film, they could have a chance to jump some of these routes because we've seen Mason Rudolph a couple of times this year. He's throwing the ball to the other team and giving up a couple pick sixes. Yeah, I, I really do think their best bet, and I've been saying this for the last three weeks now, is just play with your hair on fire, play aggressive as humanly possible. And hell, if you give up a 90-yard touchdown, at least you're giving the ball back to Baker Mayfield. All right. The last question on this OU defense versus OSU offense matchup is, Grant, what do you think is the best and worst-case scenarios for the Oklahoma defense in this game? Uh, worst case is they're out-schemed, outnumbered in the running game. Um, if if Oklahoma State is having success running the ball early on, it's it's probably not a good thing. Uh, on defense, that is. That has no bearing on what on what the Sooners are doing on offense. Uh yeah, I, I just think if you're gonna, I, th- I think you're gonna know very early on um, if Oklahoma State's having success running the ball, it's probably gonna be a very long day defensively. And as far as I'm concerned, and I guess we'll both do worst worst case scenarios, then you'll give me your best case scenario. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma State, the worst case scenario is that OSU looks like OSU has looked against bad defenses this year, and that's really good. I mean, the, the Cowboys score a minimum of 40 points against bad defenses, and frankly. 
Oklahoma is more bad than good. So Rudolph, I can see Rudolph spreading it around to the OSU, spreading it around to the receivers, the Oklahoma running, Oklahoma State running backs, keep the linebackers guessing all game, and Oklahoma State moves the football like the Cowboys have at playing subpar defenses. So that's that's the worst case scenario. And my best case scenario I see is that the guys are just as prepared as they were in early September in Columbus against Ohio State. I mean, there's no no need to go into too much detail. It's just the Sooners answered the bell against a very talented offense back then. But Oklahoma State's better than Ohio State offensively, I think. So the Sooners will need to be even better than they were in Columbus, which seems like an impossibility, especially at this point of the year. Yeah, I, I, I think I would agree overall. I think Oklahoma State probably is a little stronger than Ohio State offensively I think Ohio State is definitely better up front and they, they have better running backs than than Oklahoma State does um, but, but you know obviously Ohio State is or Oklahoma State is much better at completing forward passes which let's be honest is much more scary uh, you want to do, do best case Lee so uh, oh, did you yeah already... yeah you're okay I, I gave my best case so what's your best case okay. scenario uh, best case Lee uh, it's it's a, a complete opposite of what I said the worst case is if if the Sooners are shutting down the run game then they're really going to have a chance to play well on defense. Um, I, I think right now you just need to, every fan listening to this right now, get it through your head right now and just accept it. Oklahoma State is is going to make plays. Mason Rudolph is going to throw for over 300 yards, and they're, they're going to make some big plays. Accept it. But I, I there is a, a realistic possibility that they can't block Oboe or Oboe frees up. Uh, DJ Ward or Imani Bledsoe to make plays one-on-one with someone else. Uh, Oklahoma State's offensive line can be had. Um, so I, like I already said, that's that's maybe the one advantage they do have on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, pressure on Rudolph leads to turnovers. OSU can and will turn it over. That's one of the things that they do this year. Um, and if OU can take advantage of that, that's, that's, that's just a really... Uh, just a big deal. I, like I said earlier, or like I said last week against Texas Tech, uh, three stops a half. If OU gets six stops in this game, they will win this game. And you know, when you think about it, how many times Texas Tech had the football last week, that that's very it's a very low bar. Very doable. It's a very I'm, low bar. I, I, it's I, very I'm ta- doable. I, I'm talking about literally only allowing Oklahoma State to score on sixty percent <laughs> of their drives. <laughs> Before we discuss the OU offense matching up with the OSU defense, I'd like to remind you that West of Everest is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks to all of the loyal listeners who've been with us since day one. This is episode 20, and it may just be the best episode yet. If you feel that way, please leave us a rating on iTunes and leave us a review as well. That would be much appreciated. If you'd like to contact us, the email address for the show is westofeverest at gmail.com. And you can find Grant and I on Twitter. I'm at Lee Benson News 9. Grant is at Grant Benson 25. By the way, Grant, I'm not going to be at Bedlam this Saturday. I'm, I'm going to be back at the News 9 station. I got to anchor. I got to anchor. But you know what? I'm not I'm not mad about it. There's a lot of good football games on this Saturday, and I'll get a front row seat to watching pretty much all of them. So that's the one upside to not getting a chance to go to Bedlam. I think that's okay. I, I think that's a decent trade-off. You'll... I've been to the past few games for OU, and, and, and I'm, I'm ready for a weekend of uh, just kind of being able to watch. back and being able to watch the other teams play too. Absolutely. Moving on to the Oklahoma offense, taking on the Oklahoma State defense. Of course, another interesting matchup. I mean, this entire game is is incredibly intriguing. First question, Grant, how does Oklahoma State's defense stack up against other defenses that Oklahoma's played against this year? 
Uh, I, I mean, to just directly answer your question, I, I think it's worse than Ohio State and Texas's defense, and I think it's slightly better than Iowa State's defense. Just, I, I guess, um, if, if you want me to put a stat number to it, um, at comparison, Iowa State is 22nd in S&P in total defense. Uh, Oklahoma State is 33rd in total defense. Um, I, You know how I feel about Iowa State. I, I don't really think Iowa State's defense is anything that special. Um, Oklahoma generally did whatever they wanted in that game. Uh, just some some weird fumbles and and different stuff throughout the, throughout the course of the game. I I, I really I, I don't I don't think Oklahoma State's defense stacks up particularly well against this Oklahoma offense. Well, I think I think uh, the same thing you do. I think that Oklahoma State's defense is clearly the third best defense Oklahoma has seen this season. And honestly, Grant, and this this is a slight to Iowa State. When I was thinking about this, I didn't even consider the Cyclones. And but you're right. I mean, Iowa State. I would say Oklahoma State's defense, though, is better than Iowa State's because Oklahoma State has more of a an aggressive tendency to it. The Cowboys and yep. Glenn Spencer are not afraid to send blitzers. They're not afraid to put pressure on their on their cornerbacks. They're not afraid to get after it with their defensive line. And Iowa State is very basic. Iowa State doesn't like the blitz a lot. They will they will every once in a while, and they just play really solid zone coverage. And Oklahoma State mixes a little bit of both of that. Oklahoma State plays pretty good coverage, but it can also man up on guys and send blitzers. So Oklahoma State's a good defense. And Oklahoma, honestly, Grant, is catching the Cowboys at a bad time because Oklahoma State's playing its best D of the season, I think, and it's not even close. And, and the, the Cowboys, and I know you don't, you kind of scoff at this, but three weeks in a row, Oklahoma State has had success defensively against real Big 12 offenses. Baylor, I know they're winless, but Baylor can still move the football. Oh, almost, Texas, almost gave up 300 yards rushing in that game. They Baylor, had one. Baylor almost had 300 yards rushing in that game. Baylor, but Baylor scored 16 points. I, I understand that, but they almost gave up 300 yards on the ground to Baylor. Well, they could have been overlooking Baylor like Oklahoma was overlooking Baylor. Yeah, and yet sure. Oklahoma gave up 42. Yeah, to Baylor, and they gave up a whole lot of yards through the air too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just and saying. then they held Texas under 300 yards, which Texas had a lot more success against Oklahoma's defense than they than Texas had against Oklahoma State's defense. And then, most importantly, last week against West Virginia, West Virginia is a real offensive team. They have one of the best offenses statistically in college football. And Oklahoma State defense only allowed three touchdowns to West Virginia's offense, and one of those touchdowns came in garbage time. Two of the touchdowns were given up, one by a block punt, one by a pick six. So if the other sides of the coin, the special teams and the offense, didn't give West Virginia points – that would have been a 3-4 touchdown win for Oklahoma State because the defense played very well and gave Will Greer a ton of fits. Yeah, uh, their, their defense is playing well. I'm not, I, I'm not going to, to dispute that. I, I think their defense is, is head and shoulders better than, than the Sooners' defense. I mean, that's, that's analytically, and that's just with our eyes true if you just watch it. Uh, I and yeah, I think it's. I think you do have to, you know, let everyone know that this this is a defense that is not. I mean, this is not you know Baylor out there, but I, Lee, I I don't think uh, you do realize it. I, this OU offense is is so special. I, I don't they, they they match up well against everybody. There's not sure there, there's sure, not yeah. a, there, there's not a team that they're not going to have success against moving the ball. See, but the thing is, though, and this is kind of going off off base a little bit, but I mean, even against Texas Tech last week, I mean, of course, Texas Tech gets stops against Oklahoma's great offense and Texas Tech's defense is not as good as Oklahoma State's defense. So it's just it's all about which defense has more of a chance to get stops against the opposing offense. And even though Oklahoma's offense is by far and away the best in college football, 
I think it just makes more sense that you think Oklahoma State's defense has more of a chance of stopping Oklahoma more than OU's defense has a chance of stopping Oklahoma's uh, Oklahoma State's offense. I don't. I, I yeah. I, I don't think that's an unreasonable take at all. In fact, in a lot of ways, I think it's it's very reasonable, uh, just logically. But I'm I'm telling you, this this OU offense is 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 unreal, unreal good. Yeah, I I yeah. know it is. So, and, and Oklahoma State has not seen. An offense, and like I think, this, and, nor and, has any other yeah. team until they actually play Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, and so we'll, we'll we'll talk about it more as you, as you ask more questions. Next question: Does Oklahoma have the positional advantage everywhere on the field in this matchup, Grant? Yes. Period. Closest I, the the closest matchup is is probably I would say uh, Oklahoma State's secondary versus OU's receivers would, would be the closest, um, and it's still I think it's. It, it, that that's it's still an obvious OU advantage. Well, I say mostly yes, and it's because of the reason you just gave too is because Oklahoma State's secondary is playing really good football right now. So basically, if a guy like AJ Green, who's the best corner for Oklahoma State, is lined up against, um, you know, let's say Michael Jones, or let's say even like a Jeff Bidette, maybe I think AJ Green's probably got the advantage on that one. I think he's a good cover corner. Now Rodarius Williams is not as good as AJ Green, but he is still a he's he's good. He's he's oh, a solid yeah, corner I, that's I, that's improving. I I, th- I think AJ Green's the safeties solid. are good as well. Trey Flowers and Ramon Richards. I think I think Trey Flowers is by far the best player on their defense. Um, at least he's he he's the guy who who flashes on tape the most when I watch them. Uh, he's all over the field. He, he had Chad really- Whitener would would not be happy with that. I think Chad Whitener is pretty darn good. Okay. Their linebackers. Okay. Yeah. But Trey Flowers is also good as well. I mean, they have some they have some real talented players yeah. at and I, State I, I, defensively. I, I do want to bring up AJ Green did have a ha, did have a decent game last week. Yeah, I, I think he had a, he had a pick and maybe a fumble recovery last week or something too. Um, he he also did, and this is this is per uh, Pro Football Focus College. He, he did uh, give up seven catches last week for 122 yards and a touchdown so he can be had it's not he's not like a lockdown guy or by any stretch of the imagination he's solid but but he he can be had like for instance if he's if he's matched up against someone like Sedarian Lamb it's I think that's a clear OU (laughs) you just said his full name see and I love to ask the pro football focus guys about one of the plays because I I watched just the the first half of that game I didn't get too in-depth in the second half of the Oklahoma State West Virginia game but there was one big play that West West Virginia got in the first half and it was about a 30 or 40 yard pass play and I want to know if that was counted against A.J. Green because watching film A.J. Green is the reason why it wasn't a touchdown because the safety made a mistake on the play but technically it looked like it might have been against A.J. Green yeah, sure. so that's that. That's where like the Pro Football Focus. I'm curious to see how they how they actually watch film because it was a cover two look, and AJ Green was sinking deeper into his cover two because there was nobody in the flats, and he got and caught up with uh, I think it's I think it's Kevin White's brother in West Virginia, uh, yeah. the the Bears that that's never healthy, and AJ Green was there and almost made a play on it and was able to tackle the guy because. The safety Ramon Richards had bid up and took a, a a shorter route and vacated his his deep half. So if it wasn't for AJ Green being there, that would have been an easy touchdown. So, anyways, okay. that's sure. I'm just yeah. curious to see if 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 that was counted against him. And I think I, I think AJ Green is good. He impressed me in the game against Texas. I thought he he stood out. And he's he's a big guy. He's he's impressive athletically. Um, and, and yeah, one more I'll, note I'll on the there. positional the. The positional advantage questions. I will say this: Lincoln Riley said earlier this week that this is the best Cowboy defensive line he's seen since he's been in Norman. And from what I've seen, Grant, I think he, he, 
Lincoln Riley's not wrong about that. And and on film, defensive end Cole Wallerscheid really flashed to me against West Virginia. That guy gets off the ball well. And also, Oklahoma State's two defensive tackles to Quentin Osborne and Darian Daniels are huge. And I, I kind of wish they were on Oklahoma. I they're they're big and they're nasty. I think that's interesting because I thought um, rewatching the game from last year today, Lee, I thought uh, Oklahoma State uh, their defensive line last year was impressive. If that they're, they're the they're the sole reason why the Sooners struggled to run to run the ball in the first half. They just and last year obviously they had Vincent yeah. Taylor who's not yep. on the team anymore. Yeah, so I I think that's interesting is that they and I I think they they had other graduations on the on, on the defensive line too. So. Um, if, if, if they've been able to reload that they've quickly, I guess, yeah, I good, good for them if they've gotten better. Yeah. I mean, and, and add Jordan Brailford too. He's another defensive end that makes a lot of plays. So, I mean, and oh yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's great. I mean, they've, the Sooners have already, they've already played and handled the best defensive line in the country. Um, yeah, that's true. O, o, OU's one has of the best, uh, yeah, one of the best. I, you could probably throw him against Clemson and it'd be a fair fight. Uh, but yeah, I, OU's offensive line is, is head and shoulders the best in college football. So, and that's you know, I, that's how I was going to end it too. Yeah, I, I still like Oklahoma's O line, of course, and, and not even I, I wouldn't even say they're the best in pass protect. They're, they're by far the best run blocking team in the country. I, I don't even think it's close. The the Orlando Brown is is the best run blocking or uh, run blocking offensive lineman in the entire country. He's incredibly good. Next up, Grant, do you think it's possible for Oklahoma to learn anything? from that TCU-Oklahoma State game when it comes to attacking the Oklahoma State defense? Is that even worth, worth looking at? I, I, in terms of like game plan-wise and X's and O's, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, but I, do, I, I will throw this out here that analytically, when I look at the S&P and like the box score for that game, that game uh, straight up was just decided by turnovers. Uh, outside of that, both teams were even from play to play for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so, why I say yeah. if they – if both those teams played ten times, Oklahoma State would win eight of them. Yeah, so uh, you can. I, I TCU. I know they, they had some they had some chunk plays um, in the run game, but for the most part, they actually weren't really that successful from play to play running the ball. Uh, so they yeah. knocked off some big plays against Oklahoma State's defense, mm-hmm. and really inopportune times. And they, uh, TCU was very good on third down in that game as well. Uh, but to answer the question, though, and you mentioned I, I watched a game film, and I'll, I'll, I'll break it down in that sense. The, the answer to the question is I actually don't even know because TCU's offense obviously is way different than Oklahoma's offense, and, and TCU came into that game trying to eat clock all day, and it worked because the Frogs wanted to play keep away and keep it away from Oklahoma State's offense. I don't anticipate the Sooners to do anything different than what they've already done this season, although I will say this. It was nice to see that 11-plus minute drive against Tech last week because at some points in this game, Grant, Oklahoma may need to play some keep away on Saturday to keep it out of Oklahoma State's hands if the defense is getting shredded. Yeah, I'm curious if they'll if they'll do that because I, I really do think um, in most games this year, you know, when you're not talking about going up against the Ohio States, the Clemsons, Alabamas of the world, I mean, they, they have a distinct advantage in the trenches uh, just running the ball. So I, I'm really curious as, as, to see – if that's their game plan early on, if or if we see something like we did against Baylor in the fourth quarter, where they try to feed the rock to Sermon a lot, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I obviously OU's offense is predicated on the run game. It's working the best when they're running the ball because then they can do play action off of that, um, and that's when Baker is really good. So you know we'll we'll see. It's going to be interesting for sure. All right, Grant. Worst case scenario for the Sooners' offense in this game on Saturday. Uh, you know. Worst case scenario, I think, is if, if maybe we see extended periods of time where the run game kind of disappears. 
uh, sort of, it seemed like that, that happened in the Iowa State game, maybe for a few drives where they just were trying to get too cute. Um, and then also turnovers, um, interceptions. I'm not entirely worried. Like, so I'm not really that worried about Baker going out there and throwing like three or four picks like Will Greer did something like that. Uh, something I always worry about in games like this is, is fumbles because fumbles are completely random. Um, and fumbles are also random to recover as well. So, so stuff like that, I don't like, that's just, it's, you know, it, it, cause, mm-hmm. cause, cause you can never account for it. And so stuff like that worries me. Yeah, I'll I'll just kind of echo what you said. I for this one, it's I guess I mean I, again I have been pumping up Oklahoma State's defense a lot this show because I again I think Oklahoma State's got a got a solid to really good defense and I could see them being really aggressive and forcing Mayfield to throw it into some tight windows and knocking some balls down and and, and that defensive line maybe gets after him. But the thing is with Baker Mayfield, he's so good at getting away from pressure and creating throwing lanes that if Oklahoma State's able to continually uh, shore up the receivers and make it make it uh, difficult for Mayfield to find open guys. I mean, that would be phenomenal for the Cowboys, uh, but that would certainly be the worst case scenario for the Oklahoma offense. And of course, again, turnovers are always always scary, and you can't account for them. As far as the best case scenario for the Oklahoma offense, really, it's it's uh, Oklahoma plays the way Oklahoma's played pretty much all year, and uh, the Sooners. Yeah, they've gone through some stretches where there hasn't been points scored in some games like the Texas game where they had a little bit of a drought and the Iowa State game a bit because they weren't really getting possessions. But for the most part, Oklahoma's offense has been awesome and the best in the country for a reason. So best case scenario is that they treat Oklahoma State's defense the way they've treated pretty much every other defense they've seen. That's actually pretty good. I mean, Oklahoma was able to move the ball well against Ohio State, was able to move the ball pretty well against Texas and was even able to move the ball well against Iowa State as well so best case scenario is that Oklahoma just continues to roll on through even though Oklahoma State has a good defense yeah uh, best case is is the running game is working early and you know Baker's able to pick them apart using play action uh same you know same recipe different game that's basically what it is so I I it's it's going to be fun for sure. I, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, how 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 big of a, a part of the game plan Abdul Adams is going to be. Um, he like I said last week he looked like he was about ninety percent. He still looked good for about now. He still averaged ten yards a carry in the game. Um, I, I I'm hoping that he's that he's feeling a little better this week. Hopefully up to ninety five to a hundred percent. C D Lamb looked back to one hundred percent completely. I think he's good to go. Uh, I've said a couple times on this podcast, Lee. Uh, when C.D. Lamb and Abdul Adams are healthy, this offense is is about as close to unstoppable as as it as it realistically can get. Um, there, I I just I think Abdul Adams is a is a downright stud, and so I I'm I'm really curious to see um, what you know what we're going to see from him in this game, and then I don't know will will Trey Sermon make an appearance again? Yeah, I mean, and you talk about Abdul Adams. I mean, Rodney Anderson's filled in very nicely for Abdul Adams the past couple of weeks. He oh yeah, Rodney's like a, Rodney's awesome. A bat, too. the bat shot out of hell. I mean, he, sure. he looks great. And it's good to see him continuing to to play well and just kind of and to get more comfortable in this offense. Couple couple of miscellaneous topics to hit on before we move on to the the Big Twelve slate and our top ten. Uh, found it interesting, Grant, that Oklahoma State is favored in this matchup. Uh, Oklahoma State, the home team. Obviously, the Cowboys are ranked lower than Oklahoma in the college football playoff rankings. But right now, last I checked, the Cowboys are a three-point favorite. So basically, what they're saying is that these teams are even because three points or or home field is usually worth about three points. At first, I was kind of surprised to see Oklahoma State favored. But now that I've thought more about it, it makes total sense. However, I am kind of surprised that it hasn't gone 
the line hasn't shrunk because I figured a lot of people will be coming in in Oklahoma seeing that they get the Sooners and that and that offense plus points. But so far, it hasn't moved a whole lot. I think it moved, it's moved from like three and a half to three. So I, do you have any thoughts on that or do you even really care? Mm, it seems like a pretty classic line of them just begging to get uh, money on OU's side. Um, I, I, I'm not surprised that o- Oklahoma State is favored. I mean, for God's sake, the Sooners are ranked 103rd in the country in defense. That's awful. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, well, yeah, uh, until yeah. Uh, until they can they can put together two consecutive good defensive performances, then no, I don't think it's crazy for them to be favored or for them to be underdogs to a top 11 team on the road. I don't I don't I don't think that's that's that insane. The coaching matchup, obviously, Mike Gundy's played a lot, not played, he's coached in a lot of Bedlam matchups. I think he's 2-10 and 10 in Bedlam. That's, that's, that's rough, and obviously Lincoln Riley in his first, uh, his first Bedlam game as a head coach. And, you know, last year it was painfully obvious to me that Mike Gundy was extremely conservative in that game, and I get that the weather was bad, but still, I mean, you got nothing to lose when you're playing, especially last year for Oklahoma State. They really had nothing to lose, and, and Oklahoma Oklahoma was still kind of playing for a playoff spot. It's like, why not just be aggressive and try to ramp it up? And and it was the opposite of that. There was a couple times where I thought they should have gone for it on fourth down, but instead he decided to kick field goals. Mike Gundy, that is. So it makes me kind of wonder if he's going to be the opposite and, and try to make up for that and be way more aggressive in this matchup. And then, obviously, we know Lincoln Riley. He has no problem going for it on fourth down a lot. And I mean, I like the way he he coaches the offense at least in game, and and there's not a whole lot really to say as far as um, as far as that because he just doesn't have a whole lot of games under his belt as a head coach. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think in terms of coaching matchup, I guess I'm not I'm not at all worried about you know OU when they have the ball on offense. I I don't think yeah they're yeah. not going to get out schemed. So uh, I Mike Stoops certainly could get out schemed. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a likely possibility actually. So we'll. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see it, what happens. We've seen yeah. it a few times this year. Uh, good thing the weather is supposed to be beautiful. That's awesome. 77, 5 to 10 mile an hour wind in the afternoon in still water. So weather I, shouldn't be a factor. I was I was, I was, was slightly hoping for, for crappy weather and like ice or something. I think that would have been really good for OU. But Yeah, probably. <laughs> Cause, well, especially I mean, because uh, I, I was listening to Kirk Herbstreet uh, talk today. He was on an interview on the uh, people in Oklahoma. I'm sure listened to the sports animal. And he was talking to Jake Trotter. And Dusty Dvorak, former Sooner, and uh, he mentioned that he he thought Mason Rudolph looked a little nicked up, and uh, his his arm wasn't as up to par as he had seen it against West Virginia. And I honestly didn't notice that when I was watching the film. Obviously, Kirk Herbstreit has more of a keen eye for that stuff than I ever would, so that's worth noting. And then obviously Baker Mayfield, we we have you know we're we're concerned about about him as well even though he says everything's fine yeah Lee, i actually do want to bring that up because mason rudolph actually he, he did not have a great game last week against west virginia um and he, he also there, there was kind of a weird thing in the texas game where it looked like maybe he got hurt and he was he was leaving the field but well, then, he did get he, he yeah did, he got banged up against texas and didn't practice at all last yeah week. okay and then and i also according so, to mike gundy yeah according to mike gundy and then um i i just a hat tip to the sooner scoop guys i, I just listened to it. they're saying that mason rudolph isn't practicing this week either so um i i that, i don't know if that's confirmed or not but i, I just when i i wanted to bring that up so i mean that's interesting for sure, maybe maybe Mason Rudolph isn't one hundred percent, especially considering that I believe, uh, and uh, I think it was asked this week. Uh, Baker Mayfield is practicing in full, so Mayfield has been practicing. So it's not like that one week before Kansas State where Mayfield wasn't practicing. Um, I guess you know at this point we always ask what's going to happen 
in this game. I feel the same way about this game as I felt about the Texas game, Grant. I have no idea because we don't know what kind of Oklahoma team we're going to get. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think it's um, I, I think no matter what, I think we're going to see a strong offensive performance for the most part. Uh, I just I have no idea what we're going to get from the defense. So just a, I'm just going to cop out here. I'm, I'm, I can't make a prediction in this one. I, I'm going to okay, I don't have the I'll, guts to. I'll, I'll make a prediction. I think they're going to win a wild, wacky shootout, and I think it's going to be Baker Mayfield. I think they're going to score. I, I think, I, and I'm talking something like 60-something to 50-something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The Big 12 of old. No more of this 14-7 to TCU-Iowa State Big 12 football. I mean, hell, I would, I would love it if they, if they just blew them out. But, I mean, like, let's, let's be real. That's not going to happen. So. so Grant's predicting a, a wild Oklahoma victory, and I don't have the guts to pick a winner in this game because I just, I, I'm afraid to be wrong. But at the, I'll admit it. I'll admit at, it. I'm afraid yeah. to be wrong. But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they lost. All right, Grant, let's quickly discuss the Big 12 slate this upcoming Saturday. We're at a week 10 all of a sudden in college football, which is insane. But it's the best time of the year, especially if the team that you support is in the playoff picture. First up, Baylor at Kansas. Probably going to be the first time Baylor wins a game this season, Grant. It would be shocking if the Jayhawks knocked off Baylor, wouldn't it? Would it really be shocking? I mean, Baylor's yeah, that was way too strong of a word. Baylor's zero eight. They haven't won a game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I expect Baylor to win. Kansas is. Uh, I Kansas, guess Kansas scored their first touchdown like offensively in like th- that's three insane. games or something last week. I don't know. Yeah, Kansas is is knocking on the door of being literally the worst team in the country. So <laughs> uh, it's Kansas and UTEP. <laughs> Oh yeah, wouldn't that be funny if the Sooners had the two worst teams in the entire country on their schedule in a given yeah, year? Hilarious. Well, <laughs> they, they, they they even it out by having uh, Ohio State and then Oklahoma State and TCU and um, hell even Iowa State. Anyway, okay, so so that game, who cares? Kansas State's at Texas Tech. Interesting. Uh, I mean, you'd expect Tech Tech to win. The the Red Raiders are favored by three points. You know how I feel about Kansas State. I think they're generally garbage. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, very intriguing matchup. Iowa State, does the 15th-ranked Cyclones continue their hot streak at West Virginia? And, I, you know, I, I like Iowa State, Grant. I think Iowa State's defense is going to do, uh, do, do things very similar to what Oklahoma State's defense did against West Virginia and slow down Will Greer. Uh, this, uh, th- this one just has... has Iowa State's kind of fairy tale run here coming to an end, written all over. Yeah, I probably. Think. But you know, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they won. I, but I just, I, I, something about what they're doing just still just seems like a, a fluke to me. Um, they're they're just not particularly talented, except for at running back and wide receiver. So, um, I don't. We'll, we'll see. I think they're showing that they're pretty talented on defense. They're stopping. I mean, they slowed Texas Tech. In Lubbock, they held TCU to no touchdown. The only touchdown TCU scored was what a kickoff return touchdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Credit where it's due. They're obviously playing good football. Uh, they're. They, I think they've just they've just kind of caught lightning in a bottle here. This is a team that's still lost to Iowa, and you know, without yeah, with Jacob Park. Yeah, with Jacob Park, and you know, this is a defense. They gave up forty four points to Iowa. I know that was a long time ago, but and they're playing they're yeah, playing well now. But that's weird. I, I, it's still everything about Iowa State still seems very flukish to me. I, I think they're a good team, but are, are they a top fifteen team? Absolutely not. I've said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again. Iowa State will not beat itself, and that's 
they're not the most talented team, but the Cyclones are not going to make mistakes and beat itself, which is something. I mean, I, I wish Oklahoma was like that. I wish the <laughs> Oklahoma's defense was like that. Uh, finally, in the Big 12, Texas is at TCU. I mean, TCU upset alert again. I mean, Texas uh, is Texas yeah. is, is certainly a good football team, and it's one of the best defenses in the country that people don't even talk about because Texas has played so many really good offenses. Texas has faced three, at least three offenses much better than TCU's offense, and they've done well for the most part against them. So, yeah, I TCU think it's, coming off a loss is going to be motivated, obviously, but Texas is this is going to be a good game. I yeah, I, I think it's likely that TCU struggles to move the ball in this game. Uh, but likewise, I mean, Texas is going to struggle to move the ball also. So it, it's a game I think TCU is going to win. Um, TCU is going to score probably, you know, in situations where they, you know, where they get field position advantages. Um, TCU will win, but it'll be, it'll, it'll be close. Texas's defense will keep them in it. So that's the big 12 slate. Let's move on to the top 10 and we're about an, roughly an hour into the podcast. And now we're going to get to the college football playoff rankings that everybody was talking about earlier this week, Grant. And, you know, I don't have a lot to say about the college football playoff rankings. Honestly, I have my own rankings, which I think are are pretty much the rankings. I don't care what the committee says. I think the committee is actually well, got so, got some things right, but also some things wrong. But I, the committee mostly got things right. Uh, I guess if, the one takeaway, I'm kind of surprised, to be honest with you, that they had Oklahoma above Ohio State. I but was, then again, yeah. I thought. I thought more about it, and I thought, well, it's not that surprising because the committee normally has a set of rules they go by, and head-to-head's one of those rules, so I guess yeah, it I'm makes sense. Looking at the, they do put out kind of like a, I don't know if they put it out, but they there are t- kind of talking points that they've that they've followed over the course of the you know the last few years. I feel like this poll they they really followed their you know their formula that they that they set out the most i they've i i I have no qualms with this this poll i like it a lot i i once i saw that wisconsin was number nine i i figured yeah these guys know what they're doing so i this was this is a good poll uh you know i think there's i'm assuming you probably have some some problems with them having oklahoma state outside the top 10 yeah but uh, oklahoma state is easily a top 10 team it's ridiculous that they're not in the top 10 yeah, but they, but it looks like they really did uh, base a lot of this off of resume. Oklahoma State really hadn't beaten anybody, so it's outside. West Virginia is their best win. And it's, Wisconsin it, hasn't beaten anybody. Yeah, but they also has a better that's uh, a better win than than no Wisconsin's had. Uh, no, no, it's it's they're equal. Northwestern and West Virginia are very comparable wins. Mm. I think that's I, that's just true. And I you're don't be a homer. I don't be. A, but they also beat Texas Tech. And sure, and I'm sure Tech and West Virginia on the road. Yeah, and I'm pretty and sure Wisconsin yeah, and was w- within like ten points of Wisconsin in Madison. Yeah, and you know what? Wisconsin has has beaten other four and four teams also. Lee, I mean, they're <laughs> Wisconsin's wins and Oklahoma State's wins are very very comparable, and it makes sense that Wisconsin hasn't lost, so they're just they're two spots ahead of them. It's I don't think it's that big. I mean, Oklahoma State's got nothing to worry about. If they went out, they're in. So I, yeah, I just. Sure. I mean, they definitely have a lot more on their uh, as far as chips on their shoulder goes. The Cowboys have have one for sure. So, yeah, I mean, sure. Really, I mean, I, I, I agree, though, ultimately, that I'm glad Wisconsin was down far in the rankings because yeah, I, the, the, the Badgers, one, in my opinion, aren't even a top 10 team. Yeah, the, the one the one ranking I, I do maybe have a little issue with that I, I don't necessarily understand is I, I, Iowa State, of course, after I just 
said that they were fluky. Iowa State should be should be higher than fifteenth. I, I think they have they've they've beaten the the number five and and number eight teams in the poll. The only team in the entire country who has beaten two top ten teams. So well, they should at least be fourteen because Auburn is. They should be ahead of Auburn for and sure. And they have the same record. And um, two I, Iowa State wins are much better than any of Auburn's. And wins. I I think uh, I think they should absolutely be ahead of Washington. Washington hasn't beaten a soul this year, and they lost to a bad Arizona State team. So you know it 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 doesn't matter. I mean it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah. When, when you get down that far, it doesn't particularly matter. So I, we're, we're just splitting hairs. And if you want to, I mean, I, the UCF being at 18, I think is kind of a joke. I mean, they're, I think they're objectively better than some teams ahead of them, but no, of course it, it, it did look like they went heavy, heavy resume on it. And I'm okay with that. So that's the college football playoff top 10. I, I guess no reason to talk about it a whole lot, considering that I said this, this is useless just a couple of days ago, which it is. Uh, it, but it was surprising to see Oklahoma at five, to be honest with you. So, Grant, let's go with our top ten rankings. And at this point of the year, it changes, right? Because, or does it? Do you do you think like the committee thinks, Grant, or are you just putting out what your top ten teams are and what you think? Not really. I, I I'm voting how how I would vote if I was a member of the AP poll. We'll say that. Okay. Yeah. Do you want me to start? So am I. Yeah, yeah. go ahead and start. Okay. Yeah, my number 10 team uh, has not changed from last week, Lee. It is UCF, the Golden Knights. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think they're a top – I will take them out of the top 10 when they stop playing like a top 10 team. I, I mean, I think they're, they're better than some teams in the top 10 right now. I, 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 I think they're better than Penn State. And, yes, I'm serious. Um, so, yeah, I, they're, they're a top 10 team. Wow, you've, like, totally flipped <laughs> – one week later, you've totally flipped on Penn State. I was looking you... for I was looking for any excuse to, to but you know, if, uh, Penn State's the 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 ironic thing is Penn State oh is God. Penn State is still in my is still in my top ten. There's no there, there there's no method to my madness, man. One week like ago, you said together. Penn State is a fantastic football team or yeah, some other are. crazy adjective. Ah, uh, they are, they are, but they they honestly, they <laughs> they they did not impress me that much against Ohio State. They were they were very lucky to be to be in that game like they were. All right, so number 10 for you is UCF. Number 10 for me is TCU. I have the Horned Frogs at TCU. I think I had TCU at 10 last week. Let me double check. No. Oh, no, of course not. I had TCU at 5, but the Horned Frogs lost. Duh. So I have TCU at 10 now after the loss to Iowa State. Still in the top 10. Number 9 for me this week is the Miami Hurricanes. I had Miami at 10 last week, so because of the TCU loss, I bumped Miami up. One spot to number nine. Who is your number nine team? My number nine team, Lee, is Oklahoma State. I, I mean, I, I, th- I think they're a top ten team. Uh, they haven't they haven't really beaten anybody yet. Of course, they have the opportunity to do so this week. Um, I, I, I think Oklahoma State is a top ten team in, in general. There, there's really nothing that can happen to to make me think that they're not a top ten team at this point. I think they've they've proven it. It's just kind of a shame that the Pokes didn't have like an a different big five or power five conference team on their schedule it's instead of pit uh pit it would have been nice if they would have played a team that's a little better than pit because i i mean i think they still would have would have won the game it's just um that's what hurts them right now is they're out of conference schedule and that's fair i mean that's fair i mean oklahoma yeah. played ohio state and that's why oklahoma is where they are right now because the yep. ohio state game so yep. um so that's your number nine yep. who's your number eight my number eight team is the team i just talked about uh, before that is penn state uh, I, 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 they were my number three team last week. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to drop them that far for losing by one point on the road to Ohio State. Um, even though I, I do think they were lucky to to be so far ahead in that game, 
uh, yeah, I, I, I think Penn State's a good team. I, I still kind of like Trace McSorry. I think he's a nice little player. I think Saquon Barkley's good. Their offensive line is atrocious. I mean, it is atrocious. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I think I, I, I just think that's likely to. It's, it's so bad that it's likely to get them beat again this season. Penn State is also my number eight team, and obviously Ohio State didn't cover that spread last week. But you've already said it once this podcast or twice. It's it's insane how fluky and weird that game was. And I I think I texted this to you the other day, Grant. After I watched back the game, I watched the entire game again. That is the most fluky slash. Um, what was the word I used? Um, that. Uh, Starts with a D. That sounds really dumb. Um, deceiving. There we go. That was the most deceiving 38 points that's ever been scored in a football game. Yeah, ever. Penn, Penn State did, and I. Well, you might have to put the the uh, the expletive little thing on the podcast here. Yeah, Penn State's offense was didn't do dick in that game. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it was it was embarrassing at times. And here's the thing: if you just look at the score of that game, oh wow, that was a great game Penn State's offense must have really moved the no okay Penn State was gifted two touchdowns in that game got a kickoff return touchdown to start the game which you know tip your cap Saquon Barkley nice play okay those awesome. are random those are random that, they just are then yeah. the next drive Ohio State gave the ball to Penn State yeah okay Penn State forced a fumble got a 25 yard short field cashed in and then later in the game and the the what I said a second ago two gift touchdowns Penn State threw a pick, McSorley threw a pick in the end zone, was wiped away because of a pass interference call against Ohio State that never happened. And so that should have been a turnover, Ohio State football. And then in the, in the third quarter, I believe, the second half, McSorley throws up a jump ball where the guy somehow caught it but then didn't catch it, and it was picked up by Ohio State and was called an interception on the field. And then somehow they overturn it and say it was a touchdown, even though it was most certainly not indisputable evidence that that was yeah, I a that was touchdown weird. on the field. Yeah. And so the, the point being is Penn State got all of these breaks, all of these positive things happening to them, didn't turn the ball over once, and still lost the game. I hate Penn State. I'll say it. That if I, would, I wish Oklahoma would get as many breaks as Penn State got just in that game and all year. And I'll, I'll give one bit of uh, praise. Penn State's defense is good. Penn State's defense could force other offenses to make mistakes, but that's the first time they faced an offense like Ohio State's that's actually really good, and Ohio State did pretty much whatever it wanted to against Penn State's defense. Oh, yeah. they. I mean, Penn State defensively did not play well in that game. I mean, they got they – got shred- the second half, they got embarrassed. I mean, they, they let JT Barrett absolutely shred them to pieces. So – yeah, so, yeah I, that's our that's our Penn, Penn State hate of the week, and, and I'm, I'm just I'm just mad that Ohio State didn't cover. And, and usually, and usually, usually how it works, I every single season I, I generally pick out a team that I just despise. Um, Penn State, I think, is the team that has taken that honor two straight years. Um, they they just <laughs> and, and it it usually happens when when I despise a team, they'll, they'll they'll probably win out, they'll kill everybody, and they'll somehow make the playoff. That's just usually how it goes. Well, okay, just to be clear again, I've said this before in the podcast, but I want to explain why really fast, really quickly, why I despise them so much. I mean, it's a lot of what I just said a second ago about how lucky they got in that game. And it's it's only justice that Penn State did lose because, my God, I mean, it's just ridiculous how, how many breaks they got. 
but really what it is is like the the media and and the the artificial inflation of how good Penn State is before that. That's why I don't like him because eyeball test it's a good team, it's not an amazing team and the schedule they played before the last 2 weeks was nothing. They didn't play anybody. And it's not like they were blowing people out. I think they had like one blowout maybe of like a a Big 10 team. They might have blown out Northwestern. But it's like it's not like they're really like Mopping they, the floor with that amazing offense. They blew out that's Indiana. Bo- yeah. I mean, and, and so, and, and that's, I guess that's my, my point is that they're supposed a, to be this amazing, awesome team, but they hadn't really done a whole lot. Then they played Michigan and played really well, but Michigan's not that good. And then they lost to Ohio State. So it's like, where's your signature win on your, your resume? Michigan? Okay, great. Michigan's what? Five and three, six and two? Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. Leah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I know. Just, I just I wanted to I wanted to explain why I I'm so down on Penn State. So uh, we can move on now. Um, to number se- my number seven team. Back to our top ten. My number seven team is Oklahoma. I have the Sooners at number seven. Not quite at number five, but I have the Oklahoma at seven. They were not in my top ten last week though. So I didn't think they looked very good against Kansas State. I dropped them out again. I said earlier in this podcast, OU is a week to week team to me right now, and they for the most part played well against texas tech they're back in the top 10 at number seven uh my number seven team lee is tcu uh, i think their win on the road against oklahoma state is probably one of the five best wins in all of college football this season uh that that's why they're here and you know they they play good defense they, they do they they played they played well on defense against iowa state on saturday as well the, the defense certainly didn't lose that game for them um you know I, I think TCU is a really solid team. I, I, I think I, I do think they're probably the third best team in the Big Twelve behind o, OU and Oklahoma State. Um, but you know, when you play defense like they do, I think you're going to be in every single game. All right, who do you have at number six? My number six uh, team lead is Oklahoma. Uh, like you, they were out of my top ten last uh, last week as well. Um, I, I I just I I just don't really know how to feel about them anymore. I I I. I there's a part of me who thinks that if you're 103rd in the country in defense, you probably shouldn't be in the top 10. But, you know, you, I've made my I've, I've made my thoughts about OU's offense very, very well known and how, how, how good I think they are. So, you know, just, just for the hell of it and because they're number five in the, in the college football playoff poll, I'll, I'll put them at six just for, just for fun. At number six for me, I have Clemson. The Tigers came off their bye and had a two-touchdown win over Georgia Tech in a monsoon a lot of rain in that game, and uh, Kelly Bryant looked good from what I saw. Kelly Bryant looked like he was still playing well, and it's tough to play in just downpouring rain, and Clemson's defense shut down the uh, the Georgia Tech option attack for the most part pretty much all night, like I think Clemson normally does to Georgia Tech. So I have Clemson at six. At number five for me is Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's a really good football team. I get it. They don't have like a signature big-time win. But you know me, Grant, I like to go by the eyeball test and watching Oklahoma State, they just, especially right now with the defense playing as well as the defense is playing, I don't think there's a lot, there's a lot of teams in the country that can beat Oklahoma State. Just It happens to be one of the teams that can beat them right now is Oklahoma just because of Oklahoma's offense. And they're playing this week, and we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, Oklahoma could win the game, and, and, and me having Oklahoma State at number five looks stupid. But as of right now, I think the Cowboys are the fifth best team in the country. Lee, my number five team is Clemson. Um, they're they're going to be there mostly just because of resume. They, they've just they've they've beaten six teams that, um, that are five hundred or better. Um, I'll give them credit for that. I I think they're 
they have you know one of the three or four best defenses in the country i i think their offense is going to get them beat again this year i i, I really do you, you i think kelly bryant's a, is, is is a is a nice player but he's he, he's not really going to be someone who's going to scare you and just with clemson there they they are just not explosive at all on offense and, and when you're not explosive on offense it means that you have to string together just small increments of plays you have to and you can't make mistakes and when you do that you open yourself up to make mistakes and that's what happened against Syracuse um, when they go against a team you know that is good in the trenches like North Carolina State is this week uh, I, Clemson's really going to struggle to move the ball against NC State um, so I I, I'm really interested to see what what happens in that game this week. I I, I think Clemson is 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 very likely to lose again before the playoff. Uh, my number four team, Lee, is Notre Dame. Uh, I'll I, I I guess I'll I'll get on board with the Notre Dame hype. I I, I was looking at, at some of the stuff. They still really haven't played a team this year that can complete a forward pass. Um, they they have a really difficult schedule uh, to end the season. So you know we'll we'll see Notre Dame if they if they went out. You know I I think they deserve probably to get into the playoff. But you know a lot can happen. Uh, they they run the ball incredibly well. Um, I I don't really know what they can do. You know in terms of you know throwing the ball in the air uh, and they play solid defense. So so Notre Dame good wins good running game. Uh, right now where we are in college football that's enough to put you in the top four. I have Notre Dame at four as well, and I got to call you out. The, the Notre Dame played USC and dominated him. USC can com- can complete the forward pass okay. just fine okay. with Sam cool. Darnold. And, yep. and, and the thing is with Notre Dame is their offense is really good and their defense is really good. Notre Dame's defense is actually pretty darn solid. So, yeah, I mean, this team is certainly in the playoff if the Irish win out. I think there's no doubt about that. On to my number three team. This is where I have the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia Bulldogs at number three. I know they're undefeated. And for the most part, taking care of business. The defense is really good. The offense is is all right. It's it's not like a lead or anything like that, but it, it does the job. And uh, But I just feel like the, the two teams above Georgia in my poll are more complete than the Bulldogs. Okay, yeah, Lee, my number three team is Ohio State. Um, I, I, I just think I, – I think Ohio State is arguably the best team in the country right now still. Uh, they're they're not number one for me just because you know they've lost obviously, um, and yeah I mean I I do buy into the whole thing everyone talking about how you know Iowa State is is a better team than than Oklahoma right now because they are I mean that's that's objectively true yes I I know that OU beat them but I Ohio State is better right now and because my my poll has absolutely no bearing on any sort of other poll I can put them at number three. And my number two team is Georgia. You talked about Georgia. I think Georgia and Notre Dame, profile-wise, are pretty much the exact same team. They play really good defense. They run the ball really well. Neither team really attempts forward passes. So <laughs> it's – yeah, and Georgia has has been dominant this year. That's undeniable. My number two team is Ohio State. I'm going to be consistent with the Buckeyes. I've been ranking them very high the entire season, even though they have that one loss. Even though Oklahoma has the head-to-head right now, I am treating this as the polls are incomplete. And right now, like you said, Ohio State is objectively a better football team all around than Oklahoma. Now, if Oklahoma and Ohio State continue to win throughout the season and their records are the same at the end of the year, I will take into account 
that head-to-head matchup because that would have meant that Oklahoma would have a bunch of really good wins on their resume. Ohio State will not have as many good wins on their resume as Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's defense will have had to have started playing better. I just don't see Oklahoma winning a bunch of 60-50 to 50 games. I just don't think that's sustainable. So I think if Oklahoma wins out, that means that the defense has to have been playing better. Therefore, Oklahoma's resume is incomplete. So is Ohio State's resume. But right now, the Buckeyes are the second-best team in the country as far as I'm concerned. And of course, number one is Alabama. And I there's no need to talk about Alabama because the Crimson Tide will be number one based on your criteria, Grant, until Alabama shows us otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I, they're always going to be number one for me until they lose a game, period. All right, this has been a uh, by far our longest podcast, but I think it's a good one to have on Bedlam Week. La- lastly, we'll do picks. We'll try to go through these quickly because we've talked about a lot of these teams already uh, great job last week grant both of you and i were four and one in our picks the only one we lost we each picked tcu and iowa state won that game so first off we'll start with a big 10 matchup penn state traveling to lansing to face michigan state the nittany Lions are eight and a half point favorites i even though I ripped on Penn State all the time, I just I don't think Michigan State's offense is good enough to really do anything against Penn State's defense. And Penn State's defense is really good if they're not playing an offense that's competent. So I will take the Nittany Lions to win this game. I'm tempted to say that Michigan State will cover, but I, I can't. I think Penn State will still cover the spread. Um, I, I think Penn State's going to win. I do think Michigan State will cover, though. Uh, Michigan State has a really good defense, uh, and I... Uh, See, yeah, I know, I know they do, and that's and the thing and, that makes and me kind of question their their strength is they're they're good at stopping the run. So, I mean, I I think it's safe to say that I don't I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to be a huge factor in this game statistically wise. I'm sure they'll try to feed him the ball, but um, I, I think Michigan State's going to be able to shut him down just like in, any competent defense has been able to shut down Saquon Barkley. Man, so, I hope I hope Michigan State wins this game. I want Michigan State yeah, to win I do this too. game so badly. I, I'm, it's 11 a.m. game. That's going to be the game I'm watching at 11 a.m. I really want Michigan State to win that game. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm Next, yeah, I'm, I'm going full on hack with it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to hide it either. Next up, Clemson at NC State. Clemson eight point favorites at NC State. That's pretty high. So they like uh, the the betters like the Tigers, and you know NC State coming off a, a three touchdown loss to Notre Dame. I, you know what, I'm probably going to take the points in this one. But I like Clemson more than you do, and I think Clemson will probably win. But I, I like eight points at home with a good team. Yeah, I'm going to take Clemson. I, I, I do think that NC State is, is going to drastically slow down uh, Clemson, the Clemson's offense. Uh, I, I think Clemson's defense is, is just very good, though, and, and NC State is very limited on offense. I'll, I'll take Clemson just in, in a low-scoring game. The next one in years, this is always a huge matchup this time of the year in prime time on a Saturday, but this year it's kind of like meh. LSU at Alabama, and when was the last time Bama was favored by three-plus touchdowns against LSU? I can't. No, <laughs> probably, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's probably been a while. It's been a decade or so, I bet. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll take Alabama. For, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, think, yeah, I don't think I mean, how crazy would be, be though? If, how crazy would it be, though, if, if Ed Orgeron beats Nick Saban? That would be, like, the most crazy thing. I mean, I'm sure I, – I, 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 I assume Alabama will probably struggle to move the ball for periods of this game. Um, I I just don't think LSU is going to be able to score. I, it's and it's yeah. you know it's it's in Tuscaloosa. I just I I I will see. I mean I haven't watched LSU really play a whole lot this year since they've lost. So you know we'll find out. Fourth game, Vatek at Miami, and this is basically a uh, I mean one of. 
one of a couple like playoff elimination games for Miami uh, and also kind of for Vatek. Vatek only has one loss, so um, Vatek needs to win this game to stay alive. So probably does Miami. I you know I haven't seen Miami play a whole lot. I mean they struggle within with North Carolina last week on the road, but they're coming home. I mean Mark Rick's a good coach. I I I don't know. I mean Vatek's favored in this game. On the road, that's it's because Miami has been just incredibly shaky lately. I mean, even even more so than OU has been. Um, But the games, like obviously their defense must be better because the games have been low scoring. They're not giving up like forty points. Yeah, yeah, they're they're (laughs) just. But Virginia Tech is is actually pretty damn good on defense, and Miami's offense has just been kind of a dumpster fire lately. Man, Um, you know it 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 could be that them going home is is the perfect antidote to their struggles. But I, I don't know. I think. I, I'm going to take Virginia Tech. I just I, I'm I, I have no confidence in picking Miami when they've just been so shady lately. I'll take I'll take the home team, uh, a, a home dog looking to to prove itself. The playoff rankings just came out and they're pretty low ranked in it for an undefeated team. Chip on their shoulder. I'll take the Hurricanes. Not confident about it, though. And and lastly, this conference has has gotten me whacked out this year. I cannot figure it out the Pac-12, Arizona, at USC. USC is a seven-point favorite. USC turned it around and played awesome last week, and I can't even remember who they beat. Was it Arizona State? They just shellacked, I think it was. Uh, yeah, Arizona State. And, at, and Arizona State had been had been beating teams and playing teams close in Tempe. So mm-hmm. USC figured something out last week. Now they're back home against Arizona, a team that's been the hot, like one of the hottest teams in college football. Um, I'm, I'm going to take – man, this is going to be a high-scoring game. I'll probably take Arizona in the points, but I'll take USC to win. I'm going to take Arizona to win. Uh, ever since Khalil Tate has has taken over as starting quarterback for Arizona, uh, they've been borderline unstoppable. I think Khalil Tate's averaging 13 yards a carry. He's the quarterback. It's insane. Um, USC's defense has, just, has been just kind of meh this year. Um, I expect that to continue. I think Arizona is probably just going to score a lot of points. I, I, I'd assume Sam Darnold's going to have a good day, good game. He looks good against Arizona State. Um, I, I think... I don't think USC is going to be able to stop Cleo Tate. I'm going to take Arizona. And I think Arizona is actually going to end up winning the Pac-12. All right, Grant, that's our show. We will be back Monday with re- uh, with reaction from Bedlam. Which Oklahoma school will still be in playoff contention? I hope it's the Sooners, of course. Until then, for Grant, I'm Lee. This is West of Everest.